0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Sales Outcast podcast. This is your host, Sue Singh, and I have one of the people I admire the most in the world of sales. I have Nimit Pat with me, an Indian, so it's really close to my heart, and he's really young, <laughs> a super sales leader I look up to. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Sue. appreciate the kind words. Really excited to be here.
0: I'm more excited than you can imagine. So uh, (laughs) let's get started. So, uh, Nimit, like, you know, we talked about this before the sales outcast podcast. I really started this because, you know, I felt like an outcast being an Indian, you know, working in sales and being a woman at that. Mm -hmm. And to top it all, I'm been working remote for the US. I S I don't sound white. I don't look white, but still I Mm -hmm. work for Americans. I work for North American market and, uh, I dare say I've been doing a good job at it. So, uh, I, you know, wanted to really get your perspective of how your journey has been. Uh, how has that worked?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, so I, I appreciate you saying I'm, I'm, I'm very young. Uh, I, I just turned 31 just this past weekend. Um, so I, I, maybe that's young. I, I don't know. Um, but, um, but yeah, so my, my sales journey got started back in 2012. Um, so I've been doing this for about nine years now. I've been with the same company, Memory Blue, for an entire amount of time. Uh, you know, we're an outsourced sales development shops exclusively for B2B technology companies. So I started out as an SDR, picking up the phone, smiling and dialing. Uh, I could tell you that, uh, like most people, I never thought I was going to end up being in sales. And uh, I think a lot of people can say that me, especially, I mean, growing up, it was never really something that mm-hmm. at least my parents were very, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, kind of talking about. Uh, so, you know, while I, I was born in, in the US and I've lived here my, my whole life, um, I grew up in a very, very cultural household. English was not the primary spoken language. Mm-hmm. Um, Hinduism was, was very, very big um, kind of, you know, growing up. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely you know, grew up in a more, um, I don't know, stereotypical is the right word, but but a, but a more kind of traditional Indian family, Indian, Indian upbringing, where it was all about study really hard because we want you to become a doctor or a lawyer or, or an engineer. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I completely see why that was the case. And uh, I've been asked this question, um, you know, a, a few times you know, when my parents, they they moved to to the United States from India in 1986. And, you know, for them, it was, you know, I want to, you know, I want to move to America, I want to settle there. uh, I want my kids future, I want them to have more opportunities, things like Mm -hmm. that, right? The same reason why a lot of people kind of move around the world. And, you know, for them, when they see, you know, I want my kids to be successful, they immediately think, all right, success equals, Money, right? The more money right. you have, the more successful you are. And, you know, jobs like being a doctor, being a lawyer, being an engineer, I mean, yeah, you, you, you make a lot of money doing those things. And there's definitely a I don't know, quote kind of prestige around it, right? It's like, right. oh, my, my son's a doctor, my, my daughter's a lawyer. Um, so I totally see why that they're kind of steering me in, in that direction. And, you know, really up until that time, you know, you know, it was, it was either do, do these things where you're guaranteed to make a lot of money or go into business, right. Mm -hmm. whatever that means, whatever that means, go into the hotel business, go into, you know, whatever that, that, that might be. Um, so I, I was, uh, pre-law. Uh, so throughout college, um, you know, I, I decided, all right, you know, um, I'm not smart enough to be a doctor. Um, I have tons of engineers in my family. My my grandfather on my dad's side, he's a uh, a very well-known engineering professor in India. And so with that, my dad's an engineer. Three of his brothers are engineers. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna go be an engineer. And then my first semester of college, I decided, or I realized that um, it's maybe not in my blood. And, um, <laughs> and, and maybe, maybe this isn't really the path that I wanna go. So I, I, I switched to law. I, I took the LSAT. I, I did an internship in New York City with a law firm uh, my final summer before I graduated, and uh, it completely turned me away from wanting to be a lawyer. And I, oh. I think that's the point of that's the point of internships, right? I mm-hmm. mean, that, that's why they exist. So uh, yeah, so I, I came back from the internship had a couple more classes to finish up before I graduated, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, luckily, a friend of mine who was a few years older than me, he graduated maybe two or three years before I did. Uh, he was working at this company, Memory Blue, and you know he said, "Hey, this would be a great mm-hmm. opportunity." I've always been big in technology. I've always loved technology. I've always loved talking about technology. When I was in college, I, I worked at our campus bookstore in the computer department, so I was selling computers to students. Ah. And um, I had some sales experience. I was the business manager of our school newspapers. It was mainly ad sales. So I had some of that sales, but I never thought it'd be a career at all. So um, yeah, my friend turned me on to Memory Blue, and um, you know, I decided to apply, and 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 the rest is is history. I've had the opportunity to I was an SDR for nine months. I moved into an SDR management role. Uh, I did that for two years out of our uh, HQ just near DC. Then I moved to Austin, Texas to open up our office there. And I ran an SDR organization there as well as San Jose. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, moved into a new role for the company where I manage all of our partnerships and um, kind of the, the, the face that you see at all the virtual events, well, now virtual events. Um, but uh, kind of going on the, on, on the speaking circuit, so, so to speak, and help kind of build our brand um, a, a little bit more. So uh, long-winded, but I, I hope the listeners got a good idea of kind of what my story looks like.
0: Yep, and I think you bring up a great point. You know, uh, The first thing being that we always talk about external factors to being an outcast, right? When people don't realize that there could be internal factors as well, right? Yeah. And especially for like an Indian right? Uh, I don't think any Indian dreams of becoming a salesperson. <laughs> like, you know, no Indian kid wants to grow up, you know, you ask a right. kid, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's either a doctor, a scientist, or a neurosurgeon, right? Yep. And none, I don't think anyone would ever say, you know, I want to be a salesperson. Neither would...
1: Not yeah. yet. Not yet. Hopefully soon.
0: <laughs> yep. So, there's an internal factor to being the sales outcast as well with you and mm-hmm. with us and several of us who because the culture is not such as not accepting uh, it's not yet there right uh, it's not yet there being you know a salesperson I do uh, know that there are other cultures where people say you know my dad was a salesperson and I kind of followed in his mm-hmm. footsteps and we don't have that yet right mm-hmm. so uh, it, it's great that you bring that up because uh, you know You know, fighting an internal factor is even more difficult than fighting an external factor sometimes. Because, yeah, you know, with external factors, you can stand up and you can talk for yourself. What do you do with an internal factor?
1: Exactly. One, you have to identify whether it is an internal factor, because sometimes you think mm-hmm. that it's an external factor. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that at the time, it's not something you're really thinking about. And you know, it's when I have the opportunity like this to, to reflect back on it and talk through it, that's when I start to realize, man, no, it really was, you know, it, it was an internal factor and, and, you know, everything kind of, you know, wor- worked out. Um, but, yeah, it, it makes things hard. And I think that's, you know, uh, you know I, I speak to just one example of it. I think, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, I, I see it all the time, um, you know, SDRs that we hire, yeah, nobody in their family was ever in sales. Mm-hmm. um so you know for them it's a whole it's a whole new thing so um they have to kind of fight that as well of, of kind of you know this is the path I want to go and I think a lot of it just has to they're just the the, the stereotypical salesperson and mm-hmm. and what what's depicted in movies and tv shows is kind of like a cheesy car salesman right that uh, right. can be very aggressive and uh you know be going door to door and bugging you and calling you at home and Uh, that's not what it is.
0: (laughs) Right. Parts
1: of it might be, right? But Uh uh, at least, you know, B2B technology sales, it's not like that. Something that's been around forever. And uh, it's something that you're not really exposed to, you know, in in school, right? You don't really, I mean, up until maybe the past few years, um, it was never taught in schools. And now Mm -hmm. across at least the US, you know, several you know, universities have sales programs, you know, collegiate, selling competitions and sales programs, you can actually major in sales or minor in sales at a lot of universities now. That wasn't even there when I was in school just, you know, what, almost, almost 10 years ago. So yeah. um, it, it's amazing to see it.
0: Yeah, and now that you mention mentioned it, like, you know, I started my career in 2004, right? Mm-hmm. And in 2004, there was no SDR role. There wasn't an nope. SDR role. SDR role, uh, as far as I remember, started in late 2009, early 2010. That's when it really started, and that's when the first we heard of it. So when I started my career, I started as an AE. And imagine having, you know, because I had to go back to being an SDR after six, seven years of work experience, already working as an AE because the role had cropped up, right? And we Mm -hmm. had corporates coming in and who wanted to hire SDRs in India, Mm -hmm. right? So there, things are changing, things are developing, right, and. There are new roles coming up. SDR is completely new, and you know, and hopefully they start teaching more sales because, unfortunately, what they depict is not even what the salesperson for, like a car salesperson is today. You know, right? They are a lot better than that. So, yeah, I I know some people who worked in automobile sales, and they are amazing, and Mm -hmm. so.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it goes the other way, too. I mean, one of the reasons why a lot of people want to become doctors and lawyers, because what they see, they see, you know, they they watch ER or general hospital or suits. Mm -hmm. And and they think that that's what it's like to be a doctor or to be a lawyer, a courtroom lawyer and intense, you know, scenes. And that's, that's really not what it is. I mean, I fell in that trap. And and I I was fortunate enough to learn before I spent another three years of my life going through school and things like that. But it's not really the path that that I want to, I want to take. So yeah, right. I think I it goes both ways. You pick up a really good point.
0: Right. And I also think that they miss out on stuff like realizing that one, sales is, if you're a good salesperson, it's probably mm-hmm. one of the most secure jobs that you got. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever happens in the world, people would still need to make sales. And if you're good at what you do, you've got yourself a job, right? So it's, yeah. it's pretty secure, irrespective of whatever people need to start selling. So you've got a job, right? second thing is yep. the the feel good factor right in sales and people don't realize that sales is not about selling but it's actually about solving problems right if you do it right right mm-hmm. so a lot of time people are talk they are not talking to people they are not helping them solve problems they are pitching and selling which is the one of the major issues that we have today right
1: they're yep. trying
0: to sell but they don't realize that they're solving problems and if that mindset is broken and selling is presented as a way of solving problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it may not be as glorified as saving lives like what lawyers and doctors do, right? But yeah. it still solves problems for people and that can help change mindsets.
1: Right, yeah. And I mean, what do doctors and lawyers do? They solve problems. It's just different yeah. kinds of problems. I mean, there are medical problems and, and legal problems, but they're still problems nonetheless. Um, so yeah, I mean, and you're still providing a service to, to, to somebody. So, um, yeah, there are a lot of parallels. And even when I learned how to sell, I learned, uh, you know, you know, you have to diagnose the patient, right. Diagnose the prospect, ask Mm -hmm. questions, find out just, just like a, just like a doctor would diagnose a patient, asking them questions about, you know, what kind of pain they're having, how severe is it? When does it happen? What changes have you had in your diet? What medications are you on? things like that you know as a salesperson you should be you should be treating a prospect the same way you should be asking them questions to you know because before you can solve the problem you have to identify what the problem is right. and, and, you, and and the only way you can do that is by asking questions because a lot of prospects won't just come forward and tell you their problems and if they do you're you're very lucky as a salesperson to have that happen uh, but especially in technology if you think about a lot of the technology that's out there it's solving a problem that people don't realize they have yet <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, at least when you're, when you're on the cutting edge of technology, you know, if you're working for like a large, you know, you know, Fortune 500 technology company, you might not see it, but if you're working for a startup, you're working for an emerging technology company that's discovering a new problem. We see this all the time with our cybersecurity clients, right? They have this amazing solution that solves a problem that people don't realize they have yet or a vulnerability that they don't realize they have yet in their, in their security stack. So you as a salesperson, it puts you in, an, in a more difficult spot and that just requires you to have to make sure you're asking more questions. And, and you're spending more time understanding what, 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 what the needs are, what, what the problem is. And then, like you mentioned, going right into it and actually solving those, those problems for them.
0: Right. Uh, and I think, you know, the way we present it, uh, you know, even if we start changing the thought process of people to the fact that sales is not selling but solving problems, a lot of the internal struggles and internal factors would uh, help reduce Which Mm -hmm. kind of brings me to my next question. I know we spoke about the internal factors of not being from a family of salespeople, right? And Mm -hmm. sales not being on your radar at all, uh, not what you wanted to do, but you fell into sales, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, once you were in sales, did the fact that you were young, you know, you're you're a person of color, you're Indian, right? And did Mm -hmm. that uh, play any role? Did you face any kind of, uh, I wouldn't say issues, but uh, yeah. any uh, situations where you were looked at differently.
1: Yeah. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about each of those things separately. So first, I mean, you know, luckily, you know, at least with memory blue, the majority of the SDRs are going to be kind of are, were around my age. So I do not really run to the age thing as an SDR. I did run into it when I became a manager because I became a manager nine months into the job. So I, I graduated college December of, of 2011. And then January 2nd, 2012, I started at memory blue as, as an SDR. I did that for nine months. So nine months removed from college. I I went from being an SDR to to being a manager and and running a team, a team of SDRs who some were, and were older than me. Mm -hmm. Um, and right. So, um, or at least with the same age as me, which has made it more difficult. So, I mean, as as a young manager, I mean, you run into a lot of situations. Uh, one, being around the same age, but also these are people that were your peers. These are people that you were hanging out with on the weekends and people that, you know, like, you, you know, you, you would kind of talk about, you know, parts of the job and, and you know, you kind of share your war stories with them. Um, now you are in a position of authority. You're in a position where now you kind of have to take the company side on, on things and enforce certain policies. And, uh, you know, you are treated differently for sure. Um, I mean, at least for me, I wasn't being invited out to certain get togethers and happy hours as much as I was before, because, you know, and it makes mm-hmm. sense, right? At least, when I was, you know, as an SDR, I would go out with the other SDRs and we would just, you know, have, have, have a drink and, and talk about our, our manager and talk about, mm-hmm. oh, man, he was, you know, he, he, was, he, was, he was, you know, he's such a jerk today and things like that. Um, and now I was the jerk. <laughs> right. So um, you know, so yeah, the, that I definitely experienced some of that. Um and it, you know, it caused me to grow up very, very quickly. And um, you know, I think there are there are pros and, and, and cons to, to, to that. Um, you know, with the with 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 me being kind of you know, with me being Indian and kind of being the outcast, I mean it was definitely um you know, at least from a social standpoint, I really didn't run into any issues with it. I think, if anything, I got in my head a lot more than what the situation was. So an example would be, you know, when I started on the phones, uh, you know, I'd always say, hi, this is Nimit Bot. I'm calling from Clairbridge. Did it catch you at a bad time? So ClareBridge was, was the, the company that was, they were my clients. So I was making cold calls on, on their behalf and setting up meetings. So I was like, hi, this is Nimit Bot. I'm calling from Clairebridge, Did it catch you at a bad time? And I would have prospects immediately just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just say? Like, whoa, wait, say that again. And I always thought it was just because I have a very unique name. It's not a name they're used to hearing. So I thought that I had to change my name. It's not something, it wasn't advice that I got. I never uh-huh. didn't read it anywhere. Nobody told me I had to do that. For some reason, I got in my own head and I was like, no, I need to change my name. So for about a week, I was Nate. I was Nate Bot for, for about a week. Um, and it didn't last very long because. For me, it felt very unnatural. I felt like I was, I was, you know, I was changing. I was being a different person, and um, you know, I, 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 it just didn't feel right. And I'm like, I, you know, I shouldn't be doing this if this is what, if this is the way I have to approach it. Um, and really, what it was is so my, the friend I mentioned earlier that referred me into Memory Blue, he was still working there, and uh, I sat with him. I was like, hey, this is kind of a problem I'm running into. I, I, I get on the phone, prospects answer, I say my name. And then, uh, they, uh, you know, they get really confused and it, 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 you know, it's just the wrong way to start a conversation. And so we broke down some of my calls, we listened to them and, 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 and and this is coming from a guy named Thaddeus Walsh. So he also had a pretty unique name. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, it's not, it's not your name. Your name's not the problem. It's the way you say it. You're so used to saying your name so much that you say it really fast and you don't say it with enough diction. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, to your friends and stuff, it's one thing, but these are people that, you know, they're, they're picking up the phone. They have no idea what to expect. So I had to start kind of saying, hi, this is Nimit Bot calling from Clarebridge. Did I catch you at a bad time? And that instantly changed everything. Right. I mean, at, all of a sudden, you know, they, there's still some, you know, some mystery, some intrigue on, on the calls, but it was, you know, kind of, Hey, actually, wait, what were you calling from again? Versus, Hey, I, I, you know, can you say that one more time? Mm-hmm. That type, type of thing, if, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Well, you know, again, uh, I think that's another great point that you brought out that a lot of times things that we think are happening to us are actually happening in our head. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and yeah. it's a good thing to kind of uh, look in the mirror sometimes and figure out whether, hey, are things really happening or is it happening in my head? Right. right. And uh, I think it's great that, you know, especially like me, right? You know, I was frustrated at one point of time I'm like, you know, people aren't looking for, they don't want to hire from India, right? But again, Mm -hmm. I work for a company that has hired me from India, right? And I have been working uh, for several jobs. So it it could be in our head, right? There could be something that we need to do, right? And if they're not hiring, they're not, you know, they're not looking at you yet, means you're not doing something right yet, right? You're not Mm -hmm. doing the one thing that is not clicking. So I think that's a great point that I brought out. so kind of what we do at the end of every podcast is have a call to action that all our listeners can do. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'd like to say, what is your call to action? What will you ask people to do? Whether it's an internal factor, external factor to being a sales outcast, what is the one thing they can do to start making a difference?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, yeah, that, yeah that's a good question. I mean, I, I think the biggest advice I can give is, you know, just be be, be who you are, right? Don't feel like you need, you need to change really anything about you to, to fit some type of you know mold within within sales. I think being in sales is about having a personality, and the more unique of a personality you can have, the more it's going to to help you. Um, and everybody has that one unique thing about them that 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 they can use to their advantage. Other on on the phones or um, you know when, when it, you know in within within management and, and things mm-hmm. like that. So um, I, I I think I, w- I would have people kind of figure out like what what is that one thing about me that makes me you know who I am makes me very unique and how can I how how can I use that to, to my advantage how how can I portray that um, to help me you know get that next sale or or, or to make that next call.
0: All right, that is amazing. So uh, you know, we all going to go see for what's the one thing that you think makes you stand out and actually use that to advantage versus using that to feel like an outcast.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. All right. Thank you so much, Nimit. Thanks a lot for uh, again, coming on the show. Really had a fun time and look forward to talking to you in season two.
1: Yeah. Thanks so much, Sue. Really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, guys. See you next time.